Welcome to episode four of the Digital Brand Envy podcast. What is content and what exactly should we be creating as business owners? So in this episode, I want to take a small step back and talk about content creation and why it matters now more than ever. I mentioned in previous episodes about how we put together content creation plans and how they fit into a sales funnel. And we also gave you some examples, but what we haven't gotten into much yet is what content actually means, what it is, and why it's such a crucial part of any business's process. Especially in the first half of 2019, we have seen a direct correlation between a business owner's success and their ability and willingness to create original content. And don't forget, success leaves clues. If you take a look at some of the most successful people or brands in your field, you can bet they are creating valuable content relevant to their ICA or ideal customer avatar if you have not listened to episode one yet, and they're doing it consistently. If you're not sure what content even means, it's kind of a buzzword right now, so don't worry, we will break it down for you. And speaking of we, I thought, what better guest to have on the show today than our very own director of content, Olivia. So Olivia is going to join me on the show today, and we are going to give you a peek behind the scenes of our clients' businesses and also of our own business and team and how our efforts have shifted more towards content creation and how it's really changed the game for us and opened tons of new opportunities. Before we get started, I want you to keep in mind while you listen, quantity of content is not more important than quality. While some creators, especially in the dark digital marketing space like Gary Vaynerchuk, Brendan Bouchard, Grant Cardone, and Lewis House, they all put out daily nuggets of content, but you don't need to feel overwhelmed or like you need to start there. Because don't forget, they have teams behind them who help with graphics and audio and tweeting and copywriting. When you're first getting started with content creation, we recommend focusing on a consistent flow of quality original content, like a weekly blog post or YouTube video that you really put time and effort into. Once that piece of content is live in whichever format you're comfortable with, you can then repurpose that content in so many ways to always stay top of mind with your audience and to keep your messaging fresh and of also, of course, to reach audiences on different platforms. If you scale down your content creation process, not only will you be producing better stuff, but you will also have more time and space to promote and share it. Olivia is going to talk more about repurposing content and give you some great inspiration. I just want you to keep in mind here that while we really harp on content creation in this episode, it will always be about quality over quantity. All right, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's dive into my interview with Olivia Basso. You're listening to the Digital Brand Envy Podcast, where we believe creating an impactful customer journey is the biggest opportunity to grow any business. Sales funnel strategist Michelle Caruana will let you in behind the scenes of the campaigns and launches her team is working on while highlighting what's working and what's not to attract an audience and convert them into customers and raving fans so you can achieve your own envy-worthy brand. Hey, Olivia, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. So I described what the episode is going to be about in the introduction, but can you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do for our team? 
Yeah, so again, my name is Olivia Basso, and I am the Director of Content with the Caruana Group. So basically, I come from a content creator background. I grew up loving journalism and feature writing and um, just was always really interested in reading and writing and uh, those kinds of things. And then I grew into more of a photographer and videographer uh, role once I got into college. And on top of that, I teach dance and I'm a choreographer. So basically everything I've ever been interested in and probably will ever do in my life relates to creating some kind of content or storytelling in some way. Awesome. That's a great description. So what does your day-to-day look like for our team? Yeah, so every day is a little bit different, um, as you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I do. Uh, some days it's a lot more hands-on um, doing the uh, quote-unquote little things. So actually going out and taking photos somewhere, um, or actually editing them, creating graphics, doing copywriting for social posts, for emails, for newsletters, uh, writing writing blog posts, cutting videos, all of that uh, little stuff. And then other days it's more big picture. So looking at a client's current content creation plan, looking at the current state of their social media and seeing um, how they could improve what they're doing really well and what they should continue doing as they move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to kind of spring a question on you here, but because I I know you're going to knock it out of the park, but when we look at a client's, say Instagram account, for example, say someone who is kind of just starting and is having a hard time connecting with their audience, what is one of the first tips that you give them to kind of start creating content there? And where's a good place to start for people just starting out? Yeah. So um, for me personally, when we get a new client and I'm doing kind of a, a quick assessment or a first assessment of their social profiles. Um, I look at how many people are already following them, already engaging with them, what kind of um, posts they've been doing in the past and what has been performing the highest. And then the second thing I'll do is actually look at uh, other people in the same industry. So um, if it's a industry that we've never worked in before takes a little bit more research otherwise um, obviously I'll have a little bit more background on that Um, but it usually helps to look at what the competitors are doing and what's working well for other people and then you can kind of go back and see um, what performed really well for you and see if you either need to pivot um, to do something different or if you can continue uh, doing more of what's already working well. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the favorite tips that I've heard you give a client is when they're just starting out posting on Instagram, you know, maybe they have a couple hundred followers, but it's kind of mostly family and friends. Um, I love the tip that you gave. I forget which client it was for, but it was that when you post, you're kind of growing your following. And then when you're posting stories, you're using that content to storytell and nurture the audience. So I love that. Yes, exactly. Um, I am a huge fan of Instagram stories and could talk for hours about it. Um, yeah, we'll have to and do I think that in another episode for sure. It's- I think it's definitely a place that you can be uh, cultivating that one-to-one relationship with your followers for sure. Yeah, so speaking of you know Instagram posts, Instagram stories, I know you talked about newsletters, blog writing, you mentioned a couple different pieces of content. So 
Something that we've talked a lot on the podcast about already is content creation and creating quality content and creating content with your customers in mind. So to start off this episode, do you want to kind of define content and give a couple examples of what content could look like? Because one of the first things that one of the first objections rather that I hear from clients or digital brand envy members is that they're not quite sure what content means. So it could mean a blog post, it could mean a video, but there's a lot more to it than that. So do you want to kind of give us a content definition? Yeah, for sure. Um, Content is kind of a buzzword right now in marketing, um, which is a good thing because everyone should be creating it. Um, But to kind of lay it out for you, content is essentially just information or an experience that you're directing at an audience that's meant to help them learn something or provide some kind of value to them or also to just entertain them. So something to remember is that um, content can be informational or educational, but it can also just entertain or um, engage an audience. So even if you're a business that feels like you don't have something to teach or to lay out in a step-by-step list for your audience, creating content that entertains is um, going to be valuable to them as well. So to be more specific, content itself is kind of the medium through which you're sending the message. So that could come through something like a blog post, a photo, a video, um, a PDF, an infographic, a video on IGTV, or a tweet itself. Um, an Instagram post or caption, a Facebook post, and then bringing it into the real world, you could look at content like a brochure or a poster um, or a book, a handout, something um, tangible and physical that people are actually looking at. So those are all pieces of content. Awesome. And what I really want to clarify here, because a lot of times when we get a new client or even when we look at you know competitors or when we're looking to grow our own accounts, Something that we notice a lot of people doing is they're mainly curating content. So they are tweeting, they're putting out Instagram posts, but it's all, you know, retweeting or it's posting graphics that other people have created. So what Olivia is discussing here is original content. So it's not retweeting. It's not, you know, posting a quote on your stories that you got from somebody else's feed. It's really creating those graphics yourself. It's, you know, doing that kind of stuff from scratch. Even if it's a quote from somebody else, you know, you're hopping in Canva or whatever graphic design tool you use. Um, That one happens to be free. So it's a great place to start, but you're putting, you know, your logo on it. You know, of course, if you're using someone's quote or a photograph, you're giving credit to them, but we're really talking about original content. So what the, one of the first things that we do when we start working with a client is move them away from the content curation, which, you know, you always want to mix it up and have still share from other people in your industry or other people that you follow or admire. But we're really talking here about original content that you're creating um, with your brand, your logo, your words, your intentions. Yeah. um, So that all relates to, um, I think a lot of people think that even when they're creating content for themselves, they're only imagining it um, as I have to write this blog post because I need something to share on social media this week, Um, which is of course what you want to be doing after you write that blog post. But I would encourage people to think about content creation as its own thing. So if you're going further with what you're creating and um, 
and creating it with its own landing page in mind, with its own um, like soul in mind, then you're going to go a little bit further with it. So you're going to drive users to your website. Um, you're going to cultivate a following that's not just on your Facebook page, but they're going to follow you wherever you go. And then you're going to be able to encourage those deeper relationships as um, they begin to search for you elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And you spoke a little bit about it so far, but you know, right now, people listening might be feeling a little overwhelmed that they have to create all of this content from scratch. But talk to me a little bit about how you repurpose content. Yeah. So repurposing content is definitely the way to go, especially if you have a team that's spending a lot of time creating the content for you, or if you're spending a lot of time creating the content. So hopefully you're actually sitting down and strategizing and looking at why you're creating what you're creating or why it's necessary to get that message across, which means you've already spent the time, um, like, putting putting thought into what you're creating. So um, it just makes sense to kind of repurpose and spread that value around elsewhere. So um, a good example would be if you're taking the time to not only think about a topic for a YouTube video, but also to script, edit that script, record the video, edit the video, and then post it on YouTube, you can always repurpose that content by turning your script into a blog, um, using some of that copy for tweets and Instagram and Facebook captions or Facebook posts. Um, you can use the audio that you've already recorded to turn into a podcast episode. You can use stills from the video um, for social content or for um, adding elsewhere. And you can, of course, cut down the video even further to use on your social channels. So you um, may think of it as, oh, I'm just recording a YouTube video this week, but you already have all these nuggets of value um, that you spent the time to write and create that you can just spread elsewhere throughout the week or throughout the month or throughout the next following months after you've already posted the YouTube video. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that I still struggle with. So my mind is always create, 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 but I'm trying to push more into that 20% actually creating, 80% sharing, repurposing, because it's, like you said, it's a great use of our time. It's the way to get everything out there. And I'm also guilty, which you're helping me a lot with, I'm very guilty of putting something out there, repurposing it, um, divvying it up, you know, turning it into all those different pieces of content, but then kind of forgetting about it and never sharing mm -hmm. it again once I have a new piece of content. So just because you checked all the boxes and you tweeted about it, you posted about it on Instagram, you did a podcast, a YouTube video, a blog, that's not the end of it, right? You can continue to share those pieces that you made. We tend to organize all of our pieces of content in Google Drive. And then, you know, every time you're sharing something for us on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest even, a lot of times you're going back into the archives and reminding people, you know, we have all of these great co this great content. It's not the freshest. It's not what we put out this week. But, you know, a lot of times people will listen to the podcast or they'll find us on YouTube or something like that. And we forget that, you know, there's all this great stuff that we've done in the past that those people who are just finding us don't know about. So just to kind of put a little, put your minds at ease a little bit and not make it seem so overwhelming. Once you create all of these assets and you share them, that's not the end of those assets and they have a longer shelf life than that. And you can continue sharing them for, you know, months or even years, depending on the type of content. 
Yeah, and um, again, especially if you're in, in an industry that changes very quickly, like we are, um, or if you're uh, updating a product that you wrote a previous blog post about, you can always just go back and make edits to something that you've already posted out there, and then just reshare saying, hey, we updated this article. So again, you don't always have to be creating something new every single week. You can go back and um, switch it up a little bit. Um, and I also want to add that uh, not only does repurposing content save a lot of time for you, um, but it also allows you to reach more people in different ways. So you have to remember that everybody likes to consume content differently. Some people prefer to read, some people prefer to watch videos, some people prefer to scroll past a photo and then read a caption at their leisure. So if you're if you're really dead set on getting a specific message across, again, whether it's of entertainment value or truly informational or just um, something about your brand that you want people to know, you have to kind of say it in as many ways as possible so that people aren't really falling through the cracks. So again, if somebody likes to watch videos and somebody likes to read blog posts, then you might as well um, provide the same message in both ways because then you can engage with both audiences. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I heard somewhere, I forget where it was, but we're, you know, as humans in our own little world and we're a little self-centered. So, you know, we always think, oh gosh, I already shared this message on my blog and then I shared it on YouTube. You know, why bother putting it on IGTV or posting about it? People are going to get sick of listening to it. But that's, you know, the wrong mindset because as much as we feel like we're shouting something from the rooftops, People are in their own little world and they're, you know, probably not following our blog and sitting on YouTube refreshing for a new video. And like you said, all of those different people might have their preferred platform. So you don't have to feel like you're kind of beating a dead horse when you're resharing a piece of content over and over again, because not only it does it stay top of mind. So if people didn't listen to the podcast yet, they might see the blog and that might entice them too. And, you know, I don't typically read blogs. That's not the way I consume content. So if, say, we put a blog out there or one of the people that I follow puts a blog out there, I won't be reading it, but I will be listening to the podcast. I won't be watching the YouTube video or IGTV, but I will be listening to the podcast. So as much as that person may feel like they are, you know, kind of their audience is saturated with the same message, that's, you know, just something that we do as humans. We're a little self-centered in that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I do the same thing with my personal <laughs> social media too. So <laughs> yes. So, so don't let that stop you. Don't feel like you're annoying your audience. Don't feel like just because you've shared a piece of content three weeks ago, doesn't mean that every single person in your audience saw it. Most of them probably didn't. So I wouldn't let that hold you back from repurposing content on different platforms or resharing old content. Of course, you don't want to be sharing the same blog article every single Monday, but you know, I wouldn't let that hold you back from resharing because you will definitely reach new people. All right, so a lot of times when we get a new client or when we work in a new industry, one of the things we hear a lot, I'm sure you'll agree with this, is that, well, my business is different or my industry is different. Different. We really don't benefit from content creation or it's not gonna move the needle for us or we don't really need to do it to cultivate relationships with customers. So is there any exception or can all types of businesses benefit from content creation? 
No, I definitely think that all businesses can benefit from content creation. Um, it's just going to vary from not only from um, business to like business type to business type, but also the industry that you're in within your business type is going to affect what type of content you should be spending more time on. And that's really on an individual basis, again, based on what your, um, aud your specific audience is used to consuming or prefers to consume. Yeah, absolutely. And something that just occurred to me that we've been doing a lot with our brick and mortar business because, you know, we actually have customers in the door and, you know, this is going to be the same with e-commerce businesses, products-based businesses. We have a really unique opportunity and one of our clients has done this, but we've actually been encouraging user-generated content as well. Um, so like I said, brick and mortar restaurants, um, brick and mortar businesses, anytime you're getting customers in the door, we're encouraging them to share stories and product-based businesses, um, we are encouraging them to take pictures and maybe providing incentives, but is there an opportunity for businesses, in your opinion, to kind of encourage people to generate content and then use that moving forward? Yes, absolutely. Um, and as you were talking, I was just going to say that could work for any type of business, um, especially uh, or even for um, e-commerce brands. As soon as somebody gets a product shipped to them, um, you should be encouraging them to snap a photo and share it or post a screenshot that um, they ordered it or um, something to that effect. Uh, even something like course creators, um, especially when you are first launching a course, you might want to encourage people to share a screenshot that they are listening to you or that they are in module three and here's what they think about it, something like that. So those are all things that you can be encouraging your customers to post for you that you can then share on, not only on your social platforms, but potentially create a blog post or a newsletter that's saying, hey, here's what all of these people are thinking and uh, thinking of my product or doing with my product, um, and you could be doing it too. So kind of creating a little bit of FOMO in it for people in other places. Yeah, absolutely. And for Climbing Vines, our indoor playground business, we started off offering a little freebie. So we gave people a free coffee when they uploaded a story and tagged us in it. Because again, having users generate that content, it not only takes a little bit off our plate, but as a customer, if you're seeing customer generated content, it generally comes off as a little bit more authentic, a little bit more trustworthy than if the brand was creating 100% of the content themselves. So we started off giving a little incentive, but once people saw that we were, that people were engaging with us on social and we were answering and we were sharing their stories that they tagged us in into our stories, they just started doing it organically. So if people are afraid about m losing money or anything like that, or if they're afraid of giving products away, just if you have to use that to get started, it doesn't have to necessarily be a permanent state. Um, but that is giving some sort of incentive is a great way to encourage it, at least at first. And then once people take notice, then you can kind of move away from that if you want. But I actually got something in the mail the other day. It was my Mother's Day gift. It was like some chocolates. And in the package, it actually said, if you post a picture, tag it with this tag and hashtag and upload it to Instagram, we will send you a discount code. So I thought that was really interesting. And they just 
slid right into my DMs and they gave me a discount code and it was, it was not automated. It was an actual person and they said, thank you. And you know, when we're just getting started out in business, one of, that is one of the biggest opportunities is, you know, before you scale, you really can give that personal touch. And now I'm much more likely to shop with that company again, because I know that, you know, they gave me a nice little thank you. They sent me a discount and I just felt really um, involved with them. And I loved that. And then for um, one of my clients that is actually in Play Cafe Academy, one of my courses, she has been doing something that I loved. And we always recommend asking for user reviews because that is also content. Um, You know, people are sharing it. You can copy and paste that, use it in emails. You can use it in blog posts. You can use it on your website. So a review is a piece of content. And Mm -hmm. what I love that she's been doing is she's been asking clients to leave video reviews. And she will then up, then upload them onto her stories, on her Instagram, onto her sales pages. And she does provide a small incentive. So she will give them a referral discount. So she gives them a discount code that they can use themselves or share with family and friends. So not only is she encouraging them to generate these amazing video testimonials, which I absolutely love, but she's also getting repeat business and new customers out of it. So I thought that was really smart. So that's something that we didn't really mention is that um, reviews do count as pieces of content and they can be repurposed. So we talked a little bit about um, brick and mortar businesses. We talked a little bit about e-commerce based businesses, but I'm going to give some examples of other industries. And I would love if you could share some unique ways to create content for them. And a lot of these that I'm going to mention are people that we hear a lot of objections from. So these are some of the people that are the first to kind of raise their hand and say, well, my industry is a little bit different. I don't really create content. But again, like you defined, content doesn't necessarily have to be a blog post. It can be a variety of different things. So let's start with influencers. So a lot of people think that just because they are, they might not have a website or they might not have Um, an email list that they don't need to or are not creating content. But do you want to kind of talk about the influencer industry and what they should be focusing on? Yeah, definitely. So if you, um, if your goal is to position yourself as an influencer to get those high ticket brands to um, start not only giving you free items, but also paying you to post about the items, then having high quality content is going to be the key here. So again, high, um, high ticket brands, they're not going to reach out to you if um, all you do is post a one-off photo of the product, um, even if you have really engaged followers um, who are who are eventually going to buy that item because they're not really getting as much value out of it as they can. So similar to um, the conversation we're just having about user-generated content, um, brands are really looking for influencers to work with who can carefully curate photos of the products or um, of themselves using the service that they're um, supposed to be posting about. Yeah, so again, they're not just holding the holding the item in their hand and throwing that photo up without putting much thought into it. They're actually planning out what it's going to look like or they're um, 
maybe even uh, planning out a video that they're going to post about it. And then they're not only just posting that video on their, um, on their feed, but maybe they're also talking about it in their stories. They're putting a longer video on IGTV. They have a YouTube channel that they're utilizing. Um, they have an email list that they're reaching out to. Or if you are um, really serious about it, I would encourage um, you to have a blog where you're posting about these items as well. So um, we've done influencer outreach for several, several, sorry, several brands before. <laughs> um, and uh, for this product specifically, we're always looking for influencers who are going to write more long form um, reviews about the product itself. So that means that they have a blog or that they have um, users, or sorry, that they have Instagram captions where they're writing more specifically about what they're actually posting about. So um, if you think about it from a brand perspective, they want to get as much value out of that influencer as they can. And even as an influencer, if you're posting more high quality content, then you're going to be able to go back and charge more to those brands to um, post about them. Because if you're only doing a one-off post that you're not really thinking about, no one's going to pay you a lot of money for that. But if you're saying, here I am with all my followers, they're super engaged, I'm going to get give you amazing photos, I'm going to post a video about it, and all these people are going to eventually buy from you, then you can throw out um, a higher number and get paid more uh, to do those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've been hearing from some of the members inside Digital Brand Envy and just from some friends that are just getting started, they know they want to be an influencer, but they haven't quite, you know, maybe they have just under a thousand followers or 2000 followers. They're just kind of entering that micro influencer territory. And a lot of times I'll hear, well, I only have 700 followers. I'm not ready to reach out to brands yet, but we've actually been encouraging them to reach out because you don't necessarily have to have a following to provide a brand value. So what I've been recommending in that scenario is lead with, like you said, the quality of content. So Yes, I only have 700 followers, but I can provide you with 10 really high quality images that you can then use on your social media and your website. And I will provide you with you know, a 2000 word blog post that you can repurpose into all of these different things. I will record a video testimonial. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be the number of followers anymore for brands to want to work with someone. So a lot of people just wait around, wait around, wait around, and they use hashtags and they wait for that follower number to creep up. But really you can be providing brands with value, as you said, without even having a large following. So we've been really, really encouraging people to just kind of get started. And again, some of the people that we work with aren't even professional photographers, but they take beautiful pictures because they've, you know, taken a class on iPhone photography or, you know, they have some presets or something like that. So as a brand, you know, we are kind of on both sides of the fence. So say for us, we'll use us as an example. If we wanted to get a video testimonial from somebody, you know, we might have to, or if we wanted to do a product shoot or something like that, we would have to rent studio space. We would have to hire a videographer. We would have to spend hours editing. Um, we would have to do all of this very expensive stuff. And as you said, the higher ticket it gets, the more money that they're spending. Maybe they're using models. Maybe they're using, um, you know, very professional film teams. But if an influencer can reach out to them and say, I can provide you with very similar assets at a fraction of the cost, they're going to want to work with them. 
So again, as you said, the quality of the content is really important. I, and of course you want to have, you know, you want to be growing your following. You want to have engagement with your followers, but that's not what matters. You know, that's not the only thing that matters rather. So I just kind of want to want to, I wanted to mention that because that's something new that we've been seeing is brands are really finally figuring out that not only can they save money by encouraging this, you know, influencer or user generated content, but like we were saying before, it also just appears more authentic to their audience if it comes from a third party and not from them. So like if I saw somebody, if I saw an ad that was clearly a model for like a swimsuit, I would be like, okay, it's cute. And then I would probably keep scrolling. But if I saw three or four video testimonials of people wearing it, different, you know, different body types, um, you know, different styles, if I could see how they styled it and saw that it was an actual person who, you know, I could see their name and I could see their Instagram account and they were describing what they liked about the product, I would be much more likely to buy it than if I just saw, you know, a Photoshopped model ad from that was clearly put out by the company. So I just wanted to mention that before. Yeah. We and, yeah and that's something um, that brands can be thinking about as they sit down um, or new businesses can be thinking about as you sit down to think really think about what is our content creation going to look like how are we going to accomplish um, creating x amount of blog posts x amount of videos or whatever really adding influencers right into your strategy from the top um, and that way you'll make sure that you're actively working to find influencers that can support your brand instead of getting down the line and realizing, um, hey, we should probably get an influencer to help us with this. And then you're scrambling to reach out to hundreds of people <laughs> to see yeah. if they um, want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we um, have made that mistake before in the beginning. Um, and that's something that we um, have definitely uh, corrected by now is again putting that influencer strategy in right from the top instead of thinking of it as an afterthought because you know we are shifting into um, the age of influencer marketing so it's definitely um, a big piece of content marketing and content creation in general yeah absolutely and something that we planned ahead of time like you said for our recent launch of play cafe academy is we went right into it saying, okay, as soon as somebody purchases in the email receipt that they get, we're going to encourage them to post about it. We're going to give them this incentive. We're going to give them this bonus if they take a screenshot. So again, it's really important to start with, start with the influencer strategy and make sure that it's in your original plan, not an afterthought, because not only will it be more difficult to work with influencers if you're scrambling, but it also reflects like that on your customers as well. Customers can tell if you kind of threw something in at the last second. And again, it's a two-way street. So brands need to appear organized and polished and easy to work with. And same thing with influencers. You know, if they're missing deadlines or if they're putting something together that's rushed, brands are going to notice and they're probably not going to work with them again. So again, it's all about the quality of content, but that's one of the biggest opportunities that we are seeing with influencers right now. So, all right, moving on. So I kind of segued into our next industry. So course creators, a lot of people that are course creators know that they should be creating content, but they don't necessarily know why or what it does to move the needle in their business. So do you want to talk about our 
course creators in the audience? Yeah, for sure. So of course, for um, any industry, it's going to be important to have that content on your website for SEO purposes, um, to just make you more searchable for people so that they can um, find you a little bit easier. And you guys have already learned all about that. Um, yeah, you can go back but, to episode three if you want to listen to our exact content creation plan for Play Cafe Academy and how we grow our email and customer list. That is episode three, the most recent episode before this one. So if you want an exact example, you can go back um, and look at that one. Yeah, so, um, but even further than um, boosting your SEO, your content is really going to, um, your content is really going to help position yourself as an expert in the field. So often I see a lot of, uh, course creators saying, hey, I'm an expert, I'm going to teach you about this thing, but they don't provide any evidence that they really are an expert other than saying, I've worked 10 years in this industry, I've made this amount of money. Those things are all great, but a lot of people have worked for a long time in an industry and made a lot of money in it and still have no idea what they're talking about. But if you are a course creator who's saying, hey, I'm an expert, and if you want proof, you can go read this blog post over here or check out my YouTube channel because I touch on the topics that I talk more about in my course and it will give you a taste of what you need to know, then users are going to be more likely to not only trust you because they see okay, you have, um, you have some knowledge in this field, but they're also going to um, be, get a better idea of your teaching style, um, the points that you're actually trying to make, and they're going to make the decision about whether or not they should really purchase from you because they're learning more about you, um, they're learning whether or not they like you, and if the answer is no, that might be a good thing for you too, because you don't want somebody buying your course and then trashing you um, on reviews or online because they decided they don't like the way that you talk. Whereas if you post a YouTube video of yourself talking, they're already gonna have the chance to figure that out before they spend the money on it. So um, again, really just positioning yourself as an expert, and this goes for a lot of other types of businesses too, when you're putting out content that shows, hey, I know what I'm talking about, um, people are gonna be much more likely to purchase from you. And an example that I just thought of um, is that I've been using Curology for a while. It's um, like a skincare, product and they um, do a really great job with content creation. They always post, um, they send emails and they always post about um, blog articles that are sharing their favorite makeups and other skincare products um, like lotions and washes and stuff like that. And because I like trust their product, I also trust their recommendations and that goes both ways. So if you trust their recommendations, then you're probably going to trust the product. So you give people the opportunity to not only learn more about your product or your course or whatever you're teaching people, but you're also showing, hey, we know more about stuff related to what we're actually trying to sell you and um, just give people a more uh, fuller idea of what your brand is and what you stand for. Um, because, you know, you want customers who believe in the same things as you um, and who have the same values, values as you too. So it's a two-way street to get to know each other and eventually get to do that um, like trust place with your 
um, customers. Absolutely. And I use their skincare too, actually. <laughs> um, and I love that they also do a lot of tutorials and they do yes. a lot of how to use their product. So it's product knowledge as well, which I love because a lot of times, I, you know, I started using their cleansing oil and that was really the only thing that I was comfortable with because I knew I, you know, looked it up online, how to do it. And I just never took the step to purchase something else because I didn't know how to use it. But then once I started getting their blog articles and videos about you know, this might seem intimidating, but here's exactly how to use it. Here's exactly how to integrate it into your routine. And, you know, I started buying other products in that line. So that product knowledge aspect too is also for me and for, I know a lot of other consumers, really, really important. So speaking of product knowledge, um, let's talk about e-commerce businesses and why this content creation is important for them. Yeah, so similarly to what we just said, um, if you give people the opportunity to learn more about your product and your industry, then they're going to be more likely to purchase the product. Um, and something um, that's specifically, or that specifically could use content to help inform the product would be uh, something new to an industry. So. If you, um, for example, we have a client that uh, sells a little bit more high ticket makeup items um, that are fairly new to the industry. So people don't really know a lot about them. There's not um, a lot of YouTube videos with the influencers using the products yet. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, we have encouraged our client to create more videos of herself using um, the products, kind of showing how they actually work, and also creating um, posts, blog articles that detail the products themselves and how they differ from other products in the field. And this allows uh, her customers to um, not only see hey, there's this new foundation you should get, but also click on the article and read, oh, this is why it's different, this is why it's good for my skin, um, and this is why I should be using it. And that, again, can work for any product in um, e-commerce. So um, just kind of providing a little bit uh, extra information about the products themselves that people um, can't necessarily get from the just the description on the website. And also it's coming in more of an informative and enticing place. So no one really wants to go to your website and just read a boring description about the product. But if you're talking about it in a video or if you have a awesome infographic that says, um, you know, 10 reasons why this foundation is better than other foundations, people are going to engage with and be interested by that content versus just the boring copy that's on the website. Yeah, absolutely. So for that client, what we've been doing is we've been really sharing that blog post with the tutorial that we put together. And then anybody that reads the blog article or watches the video, we're then retargeting them with the call to action to actually purchase the product. So that's how it kind of works in action. So first people read the blog or watch the video. And then the next step is we say, hey, remember those products that you saw? Here's your chance to buy them. So of course they could buy them right in the blog post, but just kind of reminding them that the products are out there and available for purchase. So last two industries, do you want to give some examples about how local businesses can use content creation and why it's important for them? Yeah, um, so we talked about user-generated content with local businesses, um, but specifically creating your own content 
content for your local business is mostly just going to set you apart from other people in your area. So as I said before about positioning yourself as an expert, this is going to help in local businesses too. Um, and something specific to think about would be uh, maybe a real estate agent. Um, so lots of real estate agents, again, they have years of experience. They've sold tons of houses, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know exactly what they're talking about, that they know the best way to market your house for you, that they know exactly how to stage your house for you, that they know um, the specifics of how the negotiation should go down so that you get the best deal um, no matter what end you're on. So by providing evidence to um, potential clients that you know all of those things through videos, blog posts, again, any type of content, then you're going to be able to position yourself as an expert in the field, really saying, hey, I know my stuff and I'm going to get your get you a new house for the lowest price, or I'm going to help you sell your house for the highest price. And here's how, again, providing that evidence for people, then you're able to set yourself apart from the agent who just has a bunch of photos of themselves saying how great they are over on Facebook. And yeah, that works for any kind of business, um, for restaurants, um, setting themselves apart by, um, probably providing a little bit more entertainment for people. Um, and again, finding uh, those unique ways that you can engage with your audience online or through, through content that's going to eventually bring them into the store and show them uh, what they've been missing or why you're different than other people. Absolutely. And just to kind of bring in what you said about course creators too, especially for real estate agents or anybody really that's a service-based business, it's a great way, you know, providing especially video content is great for giving your clients a, a chance to experience what you're like a little bit, what it's like to work with you, what your personality is like, because especially with real estate agents, when you Google real estate agents, say in Rochester, New York, where we are, 50 names might pop up or 100 names. But if the person can establish kind of that connection by watching videos or seeing their style and you know, maybe it does work with them or maybe it doesn't, but either way that works for you because if it doesn't jive with the person that's searching, then they won't waste your time with the meeting. Um, if they're not going to like what it's like to work with you or your style, but if they can say, Hey, you know, she seems just like me or she, she seems really knowledgeable. She clearly knows what she's talking about. And just if they're able to put, you know, a personality to the name and um, a lot of times in real estate, especially we're used to seeing those like billboards where they're in like suits and, you know, very stiff and you know, saying, I can sell your house, you know, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't really do much to connect with a potential client. But if you're putting videos out and speaking, you know, almost one-on-one -on -one to people, giving them the information, like you said, that they're looking for, it's just a great way to establish that relationship before they ever even reach out to you. So we have actually two episodes about real estate coming up. We have, we're talking to a real estate agent that really has cracked the code um, with using video that's coming up in our next episode. So if you are a real estate agent or really any business that's looking to connect with customers using video, that's going to be a great one. It's with Mandy. And then we also have an episode coming up all about how to get seller leads and spoiler alert, it's all about content creation. So this is really great to preface mm -hmm. both of those. So last industry that I wanted to talk about is network marketing. So we typically don't work with network marketers as clients, but we do have a lot of people in our digital brand Envy uh, membership that are in network marketing. And this is probably the biggest group that 
thinks they don't need to create content because the brand that they are working with or the company that they're working with provides them with a lot of content. And, you know, they might have to abide by some rules, you know, in terms of using the logo and products and things like that. But um, can you kind of talk to me about how the people that are most successful in network marketing do it and why content creation can be especially important for them, especially if the industry feels a little saturated. Yeah, um, so this is an area where we really see, again, people posting the same thing, um, and it can be very easy to, as an, um, an audience member or as a potential customer, to become overwhelmed um, by network marketers, especially if you are... Um, in a position of having multiple friends who are selling the same product or you follow multiple people who follow the same or who sell the same product, um, which can be frustrating as a user to, you know, be on Instagram and see six people posting the same graphic um, with the exact same copy. So as a, a network marketer, you can, of course, set yourself apart from the competition by going back and creating your own um, videos, your own stories, your own or finding your own testimonials, again, using that user-generated content to kind of help yourself out. I know a lot of, um, I'm thinking like skincare and makeup specifically, a lot of people will use themselves as, you know, the testimonial for why the product is so great. But obviously you're going to say the product is great if you're trying to sell it to people. So reaching out and taking that extra step to um, find other users to engage with, testimonials, gathering user-generated content as a network marketer um, can be really important for you. And also finding those ways to sell without sell is where that content creation comes in. So, um, finding ways to talk about your product without just saying, buy my product, buy my product, buy my product. And we've actually um, talked specifically with network marketers about how they can be using Instagram stories um, to engage with customers through quizzes and polls and finding fun and engaging ways to get people chatting about your product um, instead of, again, just throwing it in there. And something I always like to say to people is that content really helps you show and not tell about your product. So again, you're finding ways to show people why your product is amazing, why you know what you're talking about, why you're an expert in your field, instead of just telling them over and over again, you need to buy this. This is so awesome. Um, so yeah, really expanding their product knowledge, setting themselves apart, um, and finding ways, and again, this works for all brands, finding ways to sell without selling. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually have a couple of members inside Digital Brand Envy who are even starting to scale their network marketing businesses even more than just selling their products through content creation, but they are actually, so we'll use, we'll use essential oils as an example. So we actually have a client who sells essential oils, but she, what I love is positions it more as a lifestyle brand. So she is all about, you know, healthy, non-toxic living. She doesn't say, I sell essential oils. She, said, she says, you know, uh, healthy living and tox, toxin-free living is important to me. And then she kind of integrates the essential oils into her life and not the other way around. So a lot of times we'll see people's Instagram completely filled with product images or graphics but hers, you can really find a product, maybe one in 10 images, but all of her product or all of her images have the same theme. 
um, and she might talk about them, but it's not, you know, just completely saturated with product images. And what she's doing with content now that I love is she's creating guides and checklists and challenges. She's creating all this different type of content so that she's leading with education and value so that when somebody needs to buy a product, you know, they're not going to go to their aunt just because they, you know, they sell it too. Because a lot of times in network marketing, unfortunately, it does come down to relationships. But if you can really position yourself as not only somebody who sells the product, but somebody who can help you and handhold you through the process and help you use them and help them integrate them into your life and kind of stay the course. So maybe not essential oils, but let's say um, a, a diet program just kind of help hold you accountable and make sure, you know, stay top of mind, make sure that you're getting help along the way. Because a lot of times, because of the low barrier to entry, network marketing has a lot of times people will go really, really, you know, hard and they'll get a lot of customers. And then all of a sudden they'll kind of fizzle out and fade it to the background. And people won't want to work with somebody that they don't see as consistent or trustworthy or that's showing up consistently. So that content creation can also speak to the fact that, you know, yes, I'm selling these products, but I'm not going to go away in a month when I get bored. You know, I'm, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about not only selling these products, but transforming lives and helping people. So content can, and you know, most people that go into network marketing go with that hope, right? We're not saying that, you know, people go in with the intention just to sell. They want to help people. They want to, um, you know, share their love of this product, but content creation can really, you know, help them put their, I guess, money where their mouth is and say, okay, you know, I went into this to help people and to change people's lives, but these products are not the end all. I'm also going to give you a free blog article every week about how to use them. I'm also going, you know, I have this accountability group and I'm going to be consistent with it. So I think especially in network marketing and any, really any service or products-based business, really, it also helps to you know, start your own tribe and get, you know, customers kind of chatting with each other too, not just you speaking at them. It can open up a two-way communication and just showing yourself, like I said, as consistent and trustworthy and not just somebody selling products, but really as somebody who is the go-to source for information and help and guidance. And that I think is so important. Yeah. And I think that really circles back to when we were um, first chatting about what content is, um, just in general, uh, not only as a network marketer, but if you are creating content, you are showing to your audience that your, your business has longevity and that you are willing to go the extra mile to um, not only create something, just have, um, but to also provide, uh, again, all going back to providing value to your customers. So if you're proving time and time again that you're willing to spend the time to give out free things of value to people, then they're going to be much more likely to actually buy something from you um, in the long run. So really just connecting um, with people and proving that your business has longevity no matter what industry or um, you're in or what type of business you're running. Yeah, absolutely. And that client that I had mentioned who started putting together those guides um, and things like that, she actually has some courses coming out even and she's going to be selling those. So it kind of helps her scale that business a little bit more aside from just selling the products. Now, of course, there's going to be different rules for every company you work with. But if you say you are just a 
you know, e-commerce business or, or you're a network marketer, you can kind of scale any business using information products. So just, you know, climbing vines, our indoor playground, we now sell a course on how to open an indoor playground. So it really broke us out of that local service-based, um, you know, relationship-based business because we're now able to work with people all over the world if we want to. So content creation, yes, it's very important to put free content out there, but it can also add an extra stream of revenue to your business. So I just wanted to mention that really quickly. And so to wrap up this episode, it's been awesome so far. So thank you so much. But I kind of wanted to give people a glimpse into how, how our own company has changed because, you know, we like to hold ourselves accountable. So when you first came onto the team, our business looked a lot different than it does today. So what I mean by that is we were really spending 99% of our time on client work. And, you know, maybe we would put an Instagram post with a really thoughtful caption out there, or we would, we would curate content, like I mentioned, and we would share a blog article that we thought was helpful. But now we spend much, much more time creating actual content because, you know, originally I was of the mindset that, you know, if we can just work with clients, that's what's going to help them the most. But really, if we can put content out there in front of them and have them get results before they even sign on and start paying us, not only is it going to be a lot easier to get clients and it's going to be a lot easier to get higher ticket clients because they know, like, and trust us, but it also, like you said, establishes us as an authority. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about how that's changed in our business and how your role has changed as well as the director of content? Yeah. So when I started out, it was a lot more of the day-to-day type tasks. Um, and we, in the background, were kind of dreaming of what it would look like if we were doing mostly education, if we were focusing mostly on putting out um content of value to uh, potential customers, potential clients, and um, just to everybody out there in the world. And luckily, we've been able to kind of make that shift. And um, what I really love about it, again, all circling back to all I ever want to do is be writing and creating content and, um, you know, flexing my artistic muscles. Um, So I've been really lucky to be able to take a step back from the client stuff and really focus on um, how are we helping people? How can we help people through providing free content to them? Um, And then the fun part is also how do we make that visually appealing to people? Um, How is our audience consuming that content? So I've been able to kind of take a step back or take a step into looking at um, what people prefer, what's trending now, um, People are obviously podcasting a lot more now, so that has been um, the newest shift that we've made, and I'm honestly really excited to see how things shift moving forward as people's tastes change, as the way that we create and consume content changes. Um, Absolutely. So it's so funny because when we were first getting started and we were just starting to work with clients a couple years ago, we ourselves were consuming so much content, right? And we were constantly sharing YouTube videos and podcast episodes. And we were really, you know, spending so much time consuming content, but it kind of just clicked one day that, you know, we're always going to be stuck, you know, serving a fixed number of clients if we don't start 
you know, putting out our own content or we're always going to be searching for our next client. Whereas now we can pretty much rely on being booked up. Um, and now that our membership site actually allows us to work with a much broader range of customers because we're not doing one-on-one, -on -one, we're doing, you know, group coaching style. So that opens up um, a lot more opportunity for us to work with people at different points in their business and different price points. But I think if I can think of the most significant shift that we've had in our business and what's really taken us from, you know, almost being glorified freelancers and working, you know, exclusively, exclusively with clients to really start being, as you said, the, you know, one of the industry experts, one of the go-to sources for people for information, that shift really revolved around content creation. And we weren't really able to break out of that client work cycle, break out of that. And we, you know, do still work with clients, but now we don't have to go searching for our clients. People find us on YouTube, from our blog, from, you know, hopefully from this podcast, hopefully people, even if they never work with us, find it valuable. But once we started, you know, shifting from 99% client work to shifting a lot more into working with a very select few number of clients rather than booking our, you know, schedule full and really moving into that content creation phase. That's what really took our business to the next level. And it also helps us serve clients better because, you know, we were kind of forced to take a step back and say, okay, this worked for this launch, but let's really put together a detailed case study. Let's really talk about why that happened. And so the content creation just really comes full circle. It not only helps us get new clients and takes us off that treadmill of always finding the next one, but it also helps us serve them better because we're able to provide all of these resources to them throughout the process. And it really uh, takes away from the onboarding process because they've already watched our videos. They already know exactly what our process is like. They already know what it's like to work with us. They've already heard from all of our team members. So that's really been the single thing that's taken our business to the next level. So I really, again, want to encourage anyone listening to look at this as not something as just a checklist item, but something that could really have the potential to shift your business and change the way that you serve customers and the way you spend your time. So I just wanted to mention that. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Olivia. I think everybody listening has now has some really great inspiration and examples to work off of. And if anyone would like to join us, Olivia and I are both educators alongside um, our other team members inside Digital Brand Envy. So if anyone would like to continue working with us there, we do a lot more support. We do a lot more handholding. We really get into the trenches with our members and help them create that content. We help them find the right content for them. We help them decide where their customers are hanging out, like Olivia said, what the industry trends are. And we also help them measure the success of that content and really fit it into their day-to-day -day plan and make sure that they're, again, being intentional and strategic with it. So as Olivia said, you're not just kind of creating all of this content and throwing it out there. You're making sure that you're spending your time wisely and putting out there what customers want and where they want it and making sure that, again, we stay consistent. So we hold everyone accountable there. So thank you so much again for joining me, Olivia, and everyone else. Have a great day.